The following message is by Pastor Steve Clark of the Evangelical Free Church of Salt Lake City. More information is available at our website, www.slcevfree.org. Father, thank you for the opportunity to sit beneath your word and hear from you. And I pray that as we do that right now, that you would speak and meet with us and shape us. Show yourself to us, as we just sang, to, to show us who you are and fill us with your spirit, with yourself, and then move us towards others. And we are particularly looking for that to this morning with, with our money, with the wealth that you've given us. We can extend it to things like our times and our, and our talent and our resources of all sorts, yes, but particularly with our money. We want to we be a people who are moved towards you first and then towards others with what we have. So shape us like that this morning with your word. Thank you, Lord. We trust this to you. Amen. One of the most common caricatures of Christian ministers is that of the money-hungry manipulator. Not the only caricature, but a common one. Ministry is the means that he uses to line his pockets. He's fleecing people in the name of God. It's common. It's out there. And it's out there because, like all caricatures, there's a, there's a little bit of truth in it. You've always been able to, and you still can today, find people who call themselves ministers, pastors, evangelists, whatever, who are in it for the money. And in America today, we've actually devised a whole theological system that casts religion in a, a self-justifying, greedy light, claiming that it's a sign of God's blessing on a ministry if the minister is materially wealthy. Now, this is not a sermon critiquing that theology or that lifestyle. Rather, it's a sermon, because it comes from a passage, that assumes that we all know that that lifestyle and that kind of ministry motive is completely wrong. And in fact, even just the suspicion of a grab at money for self-advancement to, to feed one's self is actually fatal to all kinds of true ministry. We, we know that. And so, Oftentimes, anybody in the ministry, any, any kind of person leading a Bible study even, any, anybody who's teaching anything wants to steer way far away from anything that looks like I'm trying to get you to give money. Because they want to steer really far away of, of seeming in any way to, to be greedy. And yet, on the other hand, money is important. It's a huge part of life. As we've said in past weeks, we make financial transactions numerous times every day. Money is important, and Christians and churches and ministers need to talk about it. And Christians need, we need to give it away. But if you ever ask anybody to give any money, it's, it's, there's an appearance of perhaps you're greedy. It's giving it for your own benefit. So we're back and forth. I don't want to appear greedy. I don't want to appear like I'm telling you to give me money, but I have to tell you to give your money. So how do we navigate this? Well, our passage today can be helpful with that. We're in the middle of this 
two-chapter section of 2 Corinthians, chapters 8 and 9. In it, as we've seen, Paul addresses money and giving money in several different ways, all of it set against a background of this particular thing that was going on, this, this enterprise that he's been engaged in for some time now, raising money from many churches and collecting the money from many churches in what is essentially modern-day Turkey and Greece, so as to take that money back to Jerusalem and the area of Judea surrounding it. There were Christians back there who were in great need. So he's been doing that for a while. And the main emphasis in the long paragraph before us this morning at the end of chapter 8 is the presentation of three guys who were involved with Paul and that collection. Almost certainly these three guys arrive in Corinth carrying with them this letter that we call 2 Corinthians. They're almost certainly the, the mail service. But they have another purpose there. They're, they've been picked to come to there, and they're, they're going to be there, and then they're, they're going to help organize the local collection there, and then they're going to move on with, when Paul arrives later with the rest of the group and the rest of the money, they're going to move on back to Judea. That's their main purpose here. And so we have kind of two places. We've got Corinth, where they are, and then we've got the the trip to Judea, and we've got two different purposes. They're doing different things in those two different places, and that's going to be the two different observations that we look at. The The place with the thing going on there and the place with the thing going on there. That's kind of what we're looking at. And, and as we do that, what our expectation is that what's going on in these two places, what, what Paul shows us there, is actually going to help us navigate the way kind of between how to, how to manage talking about money, talking about money in ministry, and doing so in a way that, that actually helps us and helps people give while remaining blameless in that process. So that's what we're going at this morning Let me read the passage, chapter 8, verses 16 to 24. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 16. But thanks be to God, who put into the heart of Titus the same earnest care I have for you. For he not only accepted our appeal, but being himself very earnest, he is going to you of his own accord. With him we are sending the brother who is famous among all the churches for his preaching of the gospel. And not only that, but he has been appointed by the churches to travel with us as we carry out this act of grace that is being ministered by us for the glory of the Lord himself and to show our goodwill. We take this course so that no one should blame us about this generous gift that is being administered by us. For we aim at what is honorable, not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of man. And with them we are sending our brother, whom we have often tested and found earnest in many matters, but who is now more earnest than ever because of his great confidence in you. As for Titus, then, he is my partner and fellow worker for your benefit. And as for our brothers, they are messengers of the churches, the glory of Christ. So give proof before the churches of your love and of our boasting about you to these men. It's the passage. Two observations. Here's the first. Financial blamelessness protects our reputations and our ministry. Financial 
blamelessness protects our reputations and our ministry. And so obviously we should pursue that. Financial blamelessness. Paul doesn't specifically say here, as he begins the passage, that Titus is going to be going on to Judea with him. It seems like that's assumed, but it's not stated. But the other two unnamed brothers, they're just, they're just called brothers here, they're probably known, they clearly are along for the whole ride. Verse 19, the first man is not only a tremendous, well-known, respected gospel minister, more on that in the second point, but also he has been appointed by the churches to travel with us as we carry out this act of grace. The church has appointed this guy. And then likewise, verse 23, the second unnamed man is included in the middle of the verse, as for our brothers, plural, they are messengers of the churches, men who are the glory of Christ. So these are deeply Christ-like men. They are the, the glory of Christ. Christ is reflected in them. They are mature, godly, Earnest, that word's used all over the place in this passage. We could say zealous there, which is a good thing to be, to have zeal for the Lord in all kinds of matters, as is said of the second guy. That's a good thing. These are godly men picked by and then sent out. They're messengers of the churches, sent out by them, along with all this money and with Paul, for a reason. Verse 20. I take this course, bringing along all these guys, them and the other team that's going to arrive with me, so that no one should blame me about this generous gift that I'm administering here. There's a lot of money being collected. And it was my idea. And I'm the one who's kind of stirring it all up, and I'm the one who's collecting it, and I'm the one who's going to be carrying it, and I'm the one who's going to be giving it away. And surely someone will want to say or think that I'm doing this in part to benefit myself. Either to lie in my own pockets or to use the, the money as I give it away to gain power and influence and, and a standing. Somebody's going to say that or think that. And so I want to protect myself and remain blameless, verse 21, for I'm aiming at something, really kind of two things, but one main thing. He wants to do what is honorable, or what is good, what is righteous. Not only in the eyes of God, that's sort of the second thing, but we don't want to pass over that too quickly. It's assumed, but, but he does want to do what's right in the eyes of God. And we should note that this setup that he's, that he's undertaken here, we shouldn't skip over it too quickly because it actually is, is pretty helpful for him and for us when we are dealing with public money of any sort, let alone ministry money. We... We think, well, Christians will deal well with, with money. They, they will be upright and, and truthful and honest, but we should be careful lest we fall. Temptation's real, guys, and temptation with money is doubly powerful. And you can easily see yourself sitting in, sitting in some place, you're counting out $1,000 in cash, and just that week you had a car repair bill come up that was about $1,000. And wouldn't it be helpful to have a somebody else sitting there counting it with you? Of course. 
It, even, it just keeps the idea from even popping up into your mind as you're counting it out with somebody else. We shouldn't skip over that. There's any kind of a structure that, that helps us remain above reproach, helps us remain blameless, is wisdom. It's not an accusation that you're not trustworthy. It's wisdom. So we should embrace that. Paul's helped by it. We would be too. It, it's something we should, we should embrace and seek financial accountability and aim to do what is proper and honorable in the eyes of God. But, th- but that really, that's kind of assumed here because he says, not only that, but... Of course I want to do that. But more than that, I aim to do what is right and to appear to do what is right in the eyes of people also. For the sake of reputation, to stay free from accusation and blame. Don't just be honorable. Make it plain to everyone that you are being honorable. Both are necessary. So these traveling companions, they're, they're going to have eyes on what's going on, and, and they're going to appear to be not just Paul's the one who gave the money, we all gave the money. We're from the churches that gave the money. It's from all of us, not just him. So they'll be able to, to diffuse any kind of influence, and they'll be able to, to put, put to death any kind of an accusation or any blame. And so Paul's reputation and Paul's word will be protected. He will remain blameless. Which would bring honor to Paul, but which we need to be really clear about is not really about Paul. We, we may talk about and, and should pursue remaining blameless ourselves, but it's not just about how it feels good to be trusted and how it feels bad to be looked at sideways and, and suspected. This is not really about us. There's something actually far more important going on here. The issue here is Paul's reputation for the sake of the gospel's reputation. Because Paul, like all of us should be, but he even more so is, Paul is embodying and verbalizing a message about Jesus, the righteous one, who God sent to forgive us and to change us and to make us increasingly like him, and how we deal with money will either confirm or deny that message. Paul claims at the end of verse 19 that this, that this enterprise, this, this gift of grace that he's administering, it is for the glory of the Lord and to show our goodwill. What he means there is that when we all, when we Gentiles from far away show up with all this money in the midst of these Jewish churches in Judea, something is going to become evident that God, tracking your minds with the book of Ephesians, that God in Ephesians 2, that God made from these two people one united body, and the left arm cares about the right arm as if it is its own, because it is. That God has done something powerful to make a people who care more about these other people that they've never met and, and are otherwise kind of different then, they care more about them than they do about their own welfare and their own status. They're going to give away their money and travel all this way, which was hard to do back then, to give money to these people. God's the one who did that. God changed them. God made them new. God made them like God is, generous and gracious and loving of these, of these brethren. They do it of their own free will. It is, it is of their own accord. They, they chose to do this and they wanted to. They love them. They have goodwill towards these ones. Wow. 
That's the hope. And that message will be destroyed if, in fact, it turns out that the whole thing was really about Paul making himself rich and gaining power. Or someone accuses him of that and he can't prove otherwise. And there were surely people who wanted to accuse him of that. Because there are surely people who hate that message going out. There are surely people who do not want the glory of God and the interwoven love of the church known or believed or experienced. Paul's aware of this. We should be aware of this. And so Paul does what we should do. He takes every action that he possibly can. He embraces financial accountability so as to remain above reproach, free from all blame, financially blameless. He does not want to give anybody opportunity to say, yeah, Paul says God is enough, but he doesn't live that. Paul's reputation is really about God's reputation and the attractiveness of the gospel. So that's what we need to think about to apply to our, to our own lives. What would that look like for us? For us to think about our reputation is really about God's reputation. It's really about protecting not just me, but protecting him and his ministry. It seems to me because I kind of move into that and think about applying this point, that it would be beneficial to think just, to beyond just the specifics of things like financial accountability and transparency. Not skip that. Yes, for sure. And that is immediately what he does with this group, for sure. We should do that, and we do do that. Here in the church, we have multiple people count the offering. We have multiple people looking at the books at different levels, we, we are doing everything that we possibly can to make sure that there are checks and balances and accountability. We, we do that. And when we find another opportunity to do it, we do that. It's important. Probably most of us in our workplaces also have similar safeguards where, where there's just accountability to, to make sure things work out well and we should embrace them and we should be the first person on board with everything being clear and public. True. Aiming to do what is honorable, what is good in the sight of people. But I think we need to go beyond that because I think about what's good in the sight of people makes me think a little more broadly and about some some principle here. So I think this is fair and perhaps more important for us to think about. The world doesn't just look sideways at Christian ministers or or Christians in general who flat out deceive and steal. Of course it does, but more than that, if I can borrow a phrase that I heard John Piper use, the world has a nose for Christians who, rather than using their gold for God, live showing that their real God is the gold itself. And they'll worship any God who'll give it to them. Follow that? 
The world has, has a nose for Christians who live showing that rather than God for gold, gold is the God. And I'll worship whoever gives me the gold. It's what I really want. And that's the problem. That's the problem that would undermine Paul's reputation is there's, there's a hypocrisy sewn into that at the bottom level there that I say out loud, God is enough, God is my life, God is my joy, God is my hope, and then I try to preach. I'm, I'm a pastor, I, I literally try to preach, but, but any Christian who is, who is outspoken and is in some way trying to persuade and, and invite, we try to persuade all who will listen to come join us, but then if we live serving the mammon and using the mammon to serve us, We cut ourselves off at the knees and ruin our reputations. We show that it's all a charade and we're actually just like everybody else. We live pursuing the American dream because that's actually our real hope and our real joy. That's really what's enough, just like everybody else. We think we can get that with God. That's the problem. That's what Paul would be accused of if he siphoned it off. But you don't have to steal to live for the gold. You can earn it honestly and live for the gold. And that's the problem of hypocrisy. That's it's kind of at, at the bottom here. That's what undermines our reputation, really, and causes people to say, that's not right. That's not true. I know who you really are. I get it, because you're like me. I get it. And I'm not going with you. This is tricky because, if we're honest, God does give us gold. And it is one of the things that we give thanks to him for. And sometimes he provides gold in abundance. A good gift from him to be enjoyed. The Bible says that too. That's true. And we're not supposed to get rid of all of that and become poor. This was last week. We talked about that last week. So we want to live, the trickiness is, we, we want to live as if we aren't worshiping the gold and God to get the gold, but we live and in worship give thanks to God for giving us gold. What do you do with that? How do you handle that? It's tricky. The answer seems to be, again, like last week, pretty vague. The answer seems to be, serve God, not mammon. Serve God with your gold. Give generously in a way that matches your means. This was last week again. With a heart that is willing before the Lord. The world can sense that too. The world can sense a wealthy person who is generous. Just like it can sense a wealthy person who isn't. The goal is not to become poor. The goal is to be generous. The goal is to give in a way that matches our means and to serve God, not the stuff. And all those sentences and all those descriptions are vague and they don't have any numbers and no percentages on them. 
which is really complicated, right? We talked about this again last week. What's your heart like, Christian? Who's your hope? Is he enough? We want to be a people who does what is right, not just in the eyes of God, but also in the eyes of people. And, and that includes living consistent with our message that he's the one we worship and that he is enough and that he is our joy. And the stuff that we get, we do give thanks to him for it and we do enjoy it as a good gift and we use it in honor to him and for the good of other people, both. To what percentage? How much? I don't know. Trust God and give. The issue is in here. The issue is in the, in the heart. We want to be a people who are generous in the heart and who give like our generous God. And that's actually the segue into the second point because the second point is about how God acts to get us there. What God gives to us to get us to giving. The second point. So we want to remain free of blame and protecting our reputation, protecting the message. Well, the second point is how God helps us get there. Here it is. The earnest ministry of grace is God's gift to help us give. The earnest ministry of grace. The ministry of grace delivered earnestly, with zeal. When that happens, that's God's gift to us to help us give. Second point. So, moving then from what's going on on the way to Judea, now we're back in the location of Corinth. And Paul sent this three-man team to Corinth ahead of time to help them get their collection order. That, that's clear. But what's going to happen in Corinth? How are they going to do that? The key lies in looking at who this team is, what it's made up of, what these guys are like, what they bring. Starting with Titus in verse 16, Paul writes, Thanks be to God who put into the heart of Titus the same earnest care I have for you. Paul asked Titus to go back to help with this, and he was like, right away, I'm on my way, gone. Very eager. Zona Cordy did it. We can picture that, but we need to catch a subtle angle here. Titus isn't coming very earnest to collect the money. And he's not coming very earnest to give the money to those in need in Judea. He is coming in earnest care for the Corinthians. Just like Paul had this earnest care. He has the same thing. He loves them deeply and is concerned for them. He's fueled by love for them. And so Paul can say in verse 23, he is my fellow worker for your benefit. He's coming in zeal to do you good, Corinthians. Loving you. But he isn't coming alone. Verse 18 Paul is also sending a renowned gospel minister, a powerful preacher of the message of God's saving grace in Christ. Get that. 
a powerful, well-known, influential, fruitful preacher of God's saving work in Christ to help finish the collection that you guys started a year ago and haven't done. That's the second guy. And the third guy, verse 22, a seasoned, mature, earnest Christian who has been shown in many things to be for real committed to Christ. Earnest, zeal. And now even more so about you, church. He, he knows them and believes in God's work and in God's intentions in their lives and that, that it's going to produce fruit. He knows it and believes it and he's coming to work in their midst. That's the team, these three guys. So look at that team. They aren't fundraising gurus with lots of moving videos about the crisis in Judea and opportunities to be a part of something big. Sometimes that sort of thing is okay because sometimes we need to be informed. But lots of times that's just manipulation. Sometimes it's okay, we need to be informed. I did say that twice. But none of that came to Corinth. He sent a guy who loves them and wants to benefit them, a guy who can preach Christ, and a guy who believes in what God's going to do and can encourage them. That's who came. Deep, passionate, mature Christians. Glory of Christ type of guys. That's how he describes them. What's going to happen when those guys show up? Well, they're going to chase out all the false ministers who are in town and are kind of having their way there. The guys who Paul described in chapter 2 are peddlers of the word of God. Those guys are in it for the money. And these guys are going to chase them out. And they're going to establish ministry there filled with zeal for the Lord. Four times. These two, two of these three guys are described as earnest. They're going to come and with zeal and in love encourage the church and preach the grace of God come to them in Christ so that by the power of God, follow this, verse 9, look back up at verse 9, will become really real to them. Not theory. That's why he sent an encourager full of zeal who in loving concern will preach the gospel to them. So the verse 9 will become real. And they'll be encouraged to believe it and to believe that I, I see it all. I, I do indeed see it, brother. You, you paint it in front of my eyes and I get that God rich became poor for me in Christ and I have been made new and I am an heir of heaven and so that if I lose everything, I still possess everything. I thought I lost everything. No, no, I possess everything. I believe that. It's real. They're going to live and speak and embody the message of the grace of Christ more they're going to live and speak and embody the gracious Christ himself. 
And that's what God wants to happen there. Because where did that come from? Thanks be to God who put it into the heart of Titus. God's the one who made Titus like that, said specifically of him. But there's, there's no way that we could, we could for a second think that effective, powerful gospel preaching and zeal for the Lord comes from anywhere other than the Lord. God's the one who prepared these men. They are who they are, but God made them that. And Paul had the idea to send them, but God actually sent them himself. God sent them to do good to Corinth. What good? Track this. Look back at chapter 8, verse 1. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. So I'm going to send you two guys from Macedonia. One a powerful preacher of the message of this grace of God and one who is in every matter extremely earnest about it and believes it himself. And they're going to come and they're not just going to deliver a letter in which I tell you about it. They're going to show it and tell it with their own lives so that you might know it not just in your head but you might experience it yourself. I want that grace that fell upon Macedonia to fall upon Corinth. Sent by God. God wants that grace of God that fell upon Macedonia. He wants that to fall upon Corinth because what will happen if that happens? They in Corinth, like those Christians in Macedonia, will give themselves first to the Lord, believing verse 9 is really true. You follow what I'm doing there? These guys are going to show up there and they're going to talk about verse 1 preach about verse 1, show verse 1. Not videos about the need in Judea, the act of God in Christ to save and make you rich. Again and again and again and again. That's what God sent to Corinth because God wants what from Corinth? Not their money. God owns the money Everywhere in the world, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He doesn't need their money. God wants them. God wants their hearts. If their hearts are willing, whatever the gift is, is fine. God sent these guys to Corinth. God sent them to Macedonia first. God sends the same sort of thing to us here in Salt Lake right now. Because God wants your hearts. He doesn't want your money. He doesn't need it. He wants your hearts. He wants you. And when he gets you, then he'll get whatever money you want to give. That's fine. It doesn't matter. But he wants you in your hearts willing. He wants you in your hearts drawn to him, given to him first. And to get that done, what does he do? He does not talk about Old Testament rules about tithing. He talks about New Testament grace in Christ who made you rich. Because we need to see that. Because we need to give. God sent that. Paul sent that. God sends that now to us here to draw our hearts to him, to give ourselves first to the Lord, comma, and then to grab our checkbooks and give money, which we need to do.
This is also part of how he's going to do good, how he is caring for, how he is blessing Corinth, because it really is true what Paul said. This would be for your benefit. It really is true what Jesus said. It is better to give than to receive. To give, not that we would be impoverished ourselves, verse 13 is still true, but that we would give in some way, not according to some number, some percentage, but according to our means. Last week's all still true. But to give is good for us, to give according to our means from hearts that are willing because it puts us on the track that Jesus is walking as he is giving to in love his people to meet their needs. As I said, that's good company, company for the journey of life. It's a rewarding path. It's also the path of joy. The path the Macedonians walked was a path of joy in communion with God. It's the path of crowns, rewards in heaven, using our treasure now to store up treasure in heaven for the future is wise. Jesus taught that. It's also good for us to be generous givers. We need to do it because it keeps us free from the love of money. I kind of land on this here. It keeps us free or it, it helps scrub away the love of money, which is the root of all kinds of evil. It keeps us from that trouble in our hearts. Money is one of those things that is better for us when it sits light on us and passes through us. Be used for other good purposes deliberately. It has less of a chance to kind of like sink its roots in. It's only here for a moment. Less of a chance to become what we trust in and are comforted by. Getting wealth is a little bit like eating lots of calories or carb loading. You know, carb loading is you eat a lot of carbohydrates before an exercise, before you play a game or whatever. You can take in as much as you want. You can load on as many carbs as you like as long as you burn it off. Eat, work. Carb load, play, run. Gather, give, and everything stays healthy and strong. But what happens if you carb load and 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 carb load? You make a doctor's appointment. Seriously. Because it breaks this, this designed pattern of in and through and out. What's, what's taken in is supposed to energize and empower the outgoing, but it, that if we break the cycle of acquiring so as to have something to bless others, if we gather but don't give, something unhealthy happens in our hearts. It's good for us then to, to recognize I've been blessed so as to be a blessing. I've been given so as to give and to develop that mindset I knew a guy, I think I mentioned him once before, I knew a man who was in a position where he, he easily acquired 
a lot of wealth in big chunks because of his, his, his profession. You get big chunks of money frequently. And he said, I began to notice and then began to look for and then began to pray for the opportunity to follow the arrival. I'd, I'd get a check for five figures and I'd begin to think, Lord, where does this go? Because if it sits here, I'm going to get fat. Where does this go? Where does this go? Where does this go? And he's looking and praying, give me some place to send this. Not all of it, just 10% of it. No, that was a trick. Not all of it, some of it. I don't know how much. But some of it's got to go somewhere. Where? And he would begin to look for and pray for because he recognized I'm blessed to be a blessing. That's good for us to see that. To recognize it will lead me in the path that Jesus is walking and it will establish for me joy as I experience the giving away and the blessing and the communion with Christ and it will store up for me crowns in heaven that I will enjoy forever and it will keep my heart free from the love of money. I don't want to find that my heart goes where my money is into my bank account or my 401k or the stock market or my whatever possession. I want to find my my heart following my money somewhere else. And if I send the money somewhere else, that's where my heart will go. Now, some of it is, of course, this is so tricky, some of it is meant to stay. Some of it is meant to be used on our own lives and the people right around us. Yep, it is. So I'm not trying to push you in any particular direction and I'm not checking out anybody's houses or anybody's cars. I don't care. God's after our hearts and to do the Corinthians good. He sent them this team of people who would preach and testify to them about life somewhere else and free them from their money so they'd give it away. That's how he's going to complete the collection. He's going to make them zealous for Christ. To direct their attention, their focus, not onto Old Testament rules and guidelines, but onto the new covenant and a spirit-driven focus on the generous God who gave us Christ and in him gave us all things and made us rich. That's where I'm going to lean my weight on proclaiming that kind of a message. And that's what all of us need to be about to help one another, to help us give by pointing us to Christ given to us for us. Let me pray. Thank you for listening to this message by Pastor Steve Clark of the Evangelical Free Church of Salt Lake City in Salt Lake City, Utah. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without permission. We invite you to visit our website at www.slcebfree.org or call us directly at area code 801-943-0091. Our mailing address is Evangelical Free Church of Salt Lake City, 6515 South Lion Lane, 
Salt Lake City, Utah, 84121.